Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. Good morning, NetWorld, and thank you for tuning in. I'm beginning a brand new series today. The title is According to the Pattern. And our text scripture is out of Exodus chapter 25, verses 8 through 9. It says, And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. Well, according to what? It's according to the pattern, and God says, just so you shall make it. And we know in this passage that God is talking to Moses. Another title I could give this series is God's Prophetic Pattern. The Word of God never ceases to amaze me. The truths I'm about to share will amaze you too. Every word, every detail, every pattern we see in the Word is not without great significance. God instructed Moses to build a sanctuary for him to dwell among his people. He gave Moses a pattern, a blueprint, so to speak, with specific details that were very important to follow. The New King James Version interprets it as, according to all that I show you, the pattern, just so you shall make it. The English Standard Version says, exactly as I show you, concerning the pattern, so you shall make it. The reason everything had to be exact was because every measurement, every type of material, every placement, and every purpose was prophetic concerning God's plan for the redemption of man. In other words, it all pointed to the future. God always speaks in the prophetic to create. Let there be light, is what he said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. And when he spoke those words, light did not exist. He called those things which be not as though they were. And that's out of the book of Romans, chapter 4, verse 17. And the English Standard Version says, He calls into existence the things that do not exist. The pattern God gave Moses to build the tabernacle speaks. It speaks man's redemption before it existed. God established it with words and confirmed it in the pattern of the tabernacle of Moses. And it had to be built exactly like it was spoken. I want to thank Kevin J. Connor for his book, The Tabernacle of Moses, from which I received most of this teaching and inspiration. I recommend the reading of his book for even greater and deeper details. To simplify what I received from his book, I see three prophetic patterns within the Tabernacle of Moses concerning the future. I call the first one the pattern of the way, the second one the pattern of the value, and the third one, the pattern of the time. Each one of these patterns forms a journey of their own. 
They are wonderful, astounding, and amazing. To begin, I will simply go over the basic details of the tabernacle and its furnishings. Then we will study each pattern and follow each journey to their destination. The specific directions to Moses are found in Exodus chapters 25 through 40. So let's talk about it, the tabernacle of Moses. The outside wall, or the linen fence of the tabernacle, was to be 100 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 5 cubits high, facing east, with an entrance gate at the east end. A cubit of Moses' measurement is equal to about 18 inches in our measurement. Therefore, in our measurement, the tabernacle court linen fence was about 150 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 7 foot 6 inches tall. In cubits, if you add the length of the four walls, that's 100 cubits by 100 cubits, the two long sides, plus 50 cubits, and another 50 cubits for the two short sides, and multiply this by its height, which was 5 cubits, you get 1,500 cubits of curtain linen. Now this number is significant, as we will learn later. So the area within the linen wall is called the outer court. The tabernacle or tent in the court had two rooms. The first was called the holy place, and the second was called the holy of holies. The holy place was 10 cubits wide, 20 cubits long, and 10 cubits wide. And if we multiply 10 times 20 times 10, we find this room was 2,000 cubits in size. Now remember this measurement, because it's very important. The area of the holy of holies was 10 cubits wide, 10 cubits long, and 10 cubits high. And if we multiply 10 by 10 by 10, we find this room was 1,000 cubits in size. Remember this measurement, too. Now, in the outer court, there were two items, the brazen altar and the brazen laver. The tabernacle had a door on the east end, and in between the two rooms, being the holy place and the holy of holies, was a thick curtain called the veil. The first room, the holy place, had three items. It was the golden candlestick, the table of showbread, and the altar of incense. And the second room, being the Holy of Holies, had one item, which was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the word pattern in our opening scripture in the original Hebrew language means the impress of a seal, a figure, an image, an ensample, and a type. Think of not just words, but a photo, a drawing, or an object lesson. God was teaching his people something with words and visual examples. We will find the tabernacle of Moses' purpose was to lead the Jews to the coming Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, let me read Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 through 9. God is speaking to Moses, and he says, And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. So let's cover my first pattern I call the pattern of the way, and let's start at the gate. The pattern of the way is a pathway in life. It starts at the gate and travels west. There are some interesting facts about the gate. Matthew chapter 3 verse 3 says, For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord, 
make his path straight. And then Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And one more scripture is found in the book of John, chapter 14, verses 5 through 6. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, the pattern of the way begins at the gate, and the gate is on the east side. It is a journey of preparation. It's a straight path. There is only one gate, and it is not easy to find. Remember, there's a linen fence all around the tabernacle, seven foot, six inches high. You cannot see around it. You cannot see over it. You cannot see under it, and you cannot go through it. You must find the gate. The gate is narrow, and the pathway is difficult. There are few who find the gate. Why? Maybe there are only a few who are actually interested and want to know what's on the other side of the linen fence. And then it's very possible that they just don't care. Well, where does this path take us? It seems it's the only way to get to the Father. The only way? Surely there must be another option. Nope, there is only one gate. What does it take for someone to find the gate? What does it take for someone to enter the gate? Well, in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The only way to get to and find the gate is to have a heart of repentance. John's baptism is called the baptism of repentance. It is the first of four baptisms in the life pathway of a Christian. Many do not believe this baptism is a New Testament baptism, but I believe it is. In the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 4, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Well, what is the baptism of repentance? Paul talked about it to the Corinthians. We find it in 2 Corinthians, chapter 7, verse 10. It says, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. If we read that backwards, we could say it this way. In order to be saved, we will need repentance. And in order to have repentance, we will need godly sorrow. The word baptism means to be immersed. I remember when the baptism of repentance came upon me, I was overwhelmed or immersed with sorrow for my life and the things I had done. My heart was crying out for a change that I could not produce. I was miserable and could not find myself or the person I wanted to be. This baptism of repentance brought me to the narrow gate. I was seeking help, and it brought me to this difficult place. Do I enter in? Do I see what's on the other side? Do I really want help? Well, I did. I entered, and someone met me at the gate. His name was Jesus, and he took me to the next stop on this pathway of life, and it is shown in the tabernacle of Moses by the brazen altar. I was told by a priest at the brazen altar that I had to die because of my sin. He instructed me to get on the brazen altar to be sacrificed because the book of Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, 
But then Jesus immediately spoke and said that I had another choice. He said that if I would accept it, he would pay the price of death for my sins, and I would not have to get on the altar. All I had to do was ask him, and he would take my sin, and he would give me his righteousness. What an offer. He said he would get on the altar for me. He would be the sacrifice for me. Well, I was amazed, and I said, yes, Lord, I accept. But this expresses the second half of Romans chapter 6, verse 23, which says, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So right before my eyes, Jesus gave himself up. He was killed and sacrificed on the brazen altar. I was shocked, saddened, and full of grief. I could not believe what just happened. I was trying to figure out what to do, but before I could grab a hold of what I experienced, he was alive again. He told me I was forgiven and all my sins were erased. All my sins had been paid for. Wow, I don't want to stop here, but we're out of time. Tune in tomorrow. Same place, same channel. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.